Welcome, welcome, welcome back, folks. Thank you for tuning in. We are on episode seven. The time is just flying. Three Queens and a King podcast. Yes, indeed, we are in the house and it is a lively evening. We've already talked about how the energy is high. Uh, So excited for the panel tonight. Should be a very entertaining conversation. Talking about something that is um, serious. People have a lot of different views about uh, our topic tonight and whether it is benefiting the neighborhoods that are being affected by it. Uh, We're gonna speak on gentrification in the suburbs and just how uh, things have changed over the course of the last really 20 to 30 years as I was doing my research tonight. Um, it's been a trend for quite some time to go into impoverished neighborhoods. Uh, some, some rather uh, famous, famously so, um, neighborhoods in, in New York City, San Francisco, uh, down in Texas, uh, Florida, uh, Georgia, uh, here in Ohio even, um, neighborhoods that, you know, historically have been uh, poor and low income and uh, all of a sudden, all kinds of perks have come about and some stuff that we'll talk about later on in the show, uh, things that were passed in the law to help developers come in and um, benefit from putting people out, longtime residents uh, of homes that they've been in for years and years and years uh, for the sake of beautification, otherwise known as gentrification. So before we get into the topic though, let's go around the horn and just see how everybody's doing. Welcome, uh, my dear friend, oldest on the panel, friend of of mine. Uh, we just talked about it. I think we've known each other since we were um, twelve and thirteen. Are you? You're older than me, aren't you, Rod? By a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, say it again. I'll be forty-three this year. You'll be forty-three this year. Yep. So. I think I got you by yep. two. <laughs> you actually have me by one. I'll be 42 this year. Okay, okay. okay. I think. Let me think about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I went through this at they, 37, 38. I couldn't. <laughs> they say once you hit 40, you stop counting. I, I'm trying to think of my 40. Yeah, I just turned 41. Yeah, so yeah, I'm a year younger than you. At any rate, Rodriguez Broom, our king to celebrate this week. Welcome to the podcast. How are you tonight, sir? I'm doing good. I'm doing very, very good, actually. Feeling good after a nice long day at work, coming in, hanging out with you young ladies. Um, the vibe does feel good. Um, can't wait to get started. Can't wait to get started. Thanks for having me. Yes, welcome. We are so excited to have you. Um, Chris, how was your week? How, how are you feeling? It was pretty good, actually. I've, uh, um, I am definitely not getting sick. Oh, I am, but don't tell anyone. Uh, so I've just been gardening and pretending I'm well. How's that working for you, friend? Pretty good so far. <laughs> you know we're you know we're all about the holistic healing. Are you putting a lot of ginger and turmeric and garlic in your body? I make a concoction actually that my grandma used to make: garlic and horseradish and everything you can think of, and it is terribly disgusting but really good for you. So I definitely do that. And I try to actually do it more regularly because it's all stuff that you need anyway. Yeah, I, I uh, haven't been feeling well myself for almost uh, two or three weeks now. And I, I did a thing of antibiotics. I went to a doctor. Um, they told me I had bronchitis. So I, I, I did what they told me to do. I took the pills 
and um, I took some steroids. I don't take medicine. I hate it, hate it, hate it. Don't do it. Try not to. Uh, fill my body with the things I had just mentioned, ginger, garlic, uh, turmeric on a regular basis. I got caught slipping. That's how I got sick to begin with because I had stopped my regimen for a minute. Uh, just busy and, you know, sleeping and working, sleeping, working, eating here and there. Um, and it didn't take it away. It stuck with me. And then this past week, I've done what I know to be truth and right. And I gave myself extra doses of those things I mentioned. And I am coming out way better. If you don't know it, those that uh, are more apt to follow a traditional Western medicine uh, regimen, holistic healing and using things like uh, ginger and, and garlic, which is a natural antibiotic and things of that sort, it takes a little bit longer for the body to respond. So as you're using those things, you might feel just a little bit better, a little bit better, but but once it kicks in, it's a rapid, it's a rapid healing process. Yes. Have you noticed that, Chris? Absolutely. In fact, that's why as soon as I think I'm even get, getting a sniffle, I'm like, I better start drinking it right now. Yeah. Like, stay ahead of the game. Yeah, I'm the same way. And because I didn't listen to my body and started doing that and went to things I know to be, I should have just started with my regimen when I felt it. But, yeah. you know, at any rate, I'm feeling better now. So I'm glad that you are listening to your spirit and you know what to do. Mm -hmm. And we're sending you healing energy because you'll be fine. Thank you. Need it. Ashley. Hi, honey. Hi, guys. How you feeling? <laughs> I am feeling really good today. Um, I had a week of like chaotic organization, which is like, I really love to clean. I like to organize. I'm not immediately particular. Oh, okay, never mind. I'm particular. Yeah, I like things <laughs> to have a, have a place. I'm, Me too. I'm trying to pretend like it's not, I, I want it to be a habit and not like a problem. So I just keep telling myself that, oh, you know, I just like it like this. You know, it's not, it's not a brain thing, but um, when I get like a little bit out of sorts, it's just, I can't get it off my mind. So it's just like a panic and then, you know, I'm tearing everything up and putting it all back. And I don't know if you guys saw, but I had posted that I vacuumed the crumbs out of my couch and then I changed the battery in my, uh, in my smoke detector and it fucking changed my life. Like I feel so good. <laughs> You're a girl to my own heart. You really are. <laughs> so I get it. I get it. Man. <laughs> that's true. That's that, that made you feel like, Rod, what'd you do this week that made you feel like you, you know what I mean? Like you was adulting like a mother. Are you, what'd you do? Laundry. Ooh. Um, I've, been at, I've been at laundry for three days now. And it's, it's, it's about content. It's about content. I need like another three hours and I'm, everything will be folded, put away, hung up, and I'll feel real good. I'll feel real good. My closet, my closet was a monster. I, uh, laundry's an intimidating one for me too. What'd you do, Chris, this week that you felt accomplished? Uh, I certainly didn't do laundry because I don't do my own laundry. <laughs> um, I actually planted a lot of seeds for my garden. I don't know how it's going to go. It's like my first time, but I'm pretty confident. And I talk real sweet to them. I'm like, how are you doing, little fellers? And are you going to grow big and tall? And am I going to eat you? You know, just like that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> 
how everybody <laughs> talks to their plants. I'm pretty sure. I, you know what? Whatever you're doing, you're doing it right because the plants <laughs> in your background are thriving, and your vegetables are gonna thrive, and your family is gonna eat healthy. So you're winning, sis. <laughs> it sounds good to me. <laughs> That's so good. I'm so excited. Crystal is gonna take me to. Uh, um, somewhere on Sunday to get to start my process to get my box garden growing yes. in my backyard and I'm so excited to grow some food because it's something I've been wanting to do for a really long time it goes along with you know the holistic healing and something about being able to go in your backyard and pick your dinner really turns me on like really gets me excited to be able to say I can just go right out back that's what I want to do and get some potatoes and get some beans and get some tomatoes or whatever it is that I need plus all the herbs to season this shit with Mm-hmm. and eat a very healthy meal right so yes. dope so all right folks um we're talking about gentrification today before we go to our first break and listen to a little bit of music because you already know if you don't by now and you're just now tuning in we always incorporate uh local artists and uh this week will be no different so before we go to that break i just want to touch on what we're getting into So I have this idea that I've had for some time that I'm going to execute. I've sketched it out. Um, It's just a matter of putting it on canvas. And it is inspired by tonight's topic, gentrification. Um, I live in central Ohio and there's a neighborhood in our city uh, that is dubbed Old Town East. But everybody that's on the panel remembers when it was the most dangerous area of the city next to the short north but coming to the east end and being on oak and 18th was not somewhere that any person should be yet let alone a young teenage girl and me and my homegirls from the west side used to take the bus out here to the east side skipping school (laughs) 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 yes i was that chick do not judge me at any rate um yeah and if my mom knew that i was out here she would have like blown a complete gasket because then we're talking about and i have no problem ever speaking my age we just talked about it um that's 20 25 years ago you know almost 30 years ago and what we see today oak and 18th now um is a little hub you can go to oak and 18th and decide that you are going to get dropped off by uber and you can get drunk on that corner because there's a bar on each corner save for one um and folks love that neighborhood and it's the hottest real estate neighborhood in the city right now for investors and for people looking for a primary residence Excuse me. Um, But it wasn't always that. And this neighborhood, growing up in Columbus, I remember it then and then I've lived in it now and I know you guys are there now and um, I love it. It's one of my favorite walkable neighborhoods in the city. But I think it's funny because not the entire neighborhood has been redeveloped yet. So you can see tenants that have been there for 25, 30 some odd years uh, looking quite out of place from the tenants that are coming in and moving in and buying properties that are ranging from a quarter of a million up to a half a million dollars. Right. 
I I always found it so funny. I used to live right on the corner of Bryden and Champion for a couple of years. And I used to sit on the stoop and I would just do me. <laughs> you know what that looks like. And <laughs> watch people. And it would amaze me to see on one side of the street a brother walking his pit bull. And on the other side of the street, uh, Karen with her Labradoodle jogging. And they looking at each other like the the other don't belong. You know, like, <laughs> It's true. I've had this idea for this art piece for the longest where I want to split the canvas in half. And it's it be riding from like Ohio down to Wilson. And one side depicts what the neighborhood used to look like and its residents and all. Uh, and now the neighborhood gentrified because it's just amazing to me the differences that are clear as day. And um, they call it beautification of, of impoverished neighborhoods. But really what's happening, and these are questions that we'll ask later in the show. I mean, is this redlining all over again? Because you're creating an atmosphere or, or an environment um, in these neighborhoods where notoriously the same people that have been living there all these years that you're putting out are not able to secure loans or funding to even throw their hat in the ring to stay in these neighborhoods where they belong. So, <laughs> excuse me, we're gonna jump into it. I got a little timeline. I know everybody's got something to share. Ashley, I know you got some stuff. I already know how your mind works. So you got- <laughs> You guys leave me alone. <laughs> Not a doubt. We're gonna talk about it. Before we do, we'll go into our first break, folks. Go ahead and uh, listen to a little bit of music and we'll be right, right back. Thank you for joining us. We are back. All right. So we're talking about gentrification and really how we got on this topic. Crystal, you had mentioned um, in one of our, I think, team meetups or maybe an email that we were sharing, wanting to just discuss uh, suburbia, suburban mm-hmm. living, and um, just what that meant at one point in time. Um the status that was wrapped around being able to say that you lived in the suburbs um, on the outskirts of the city. And at that same time was when these neighborhoods that we see being gentrified now were low income, um, impoverished communities and considered to be high crime. Um, and if you had money, that's not where you wanted to be. You didn't want your kids going to those school districts, uh, being able to say that you lived <coughs> that you lived in Dublin or Worthington or Westerville or Reynoldsburg even, right? Um, Blacklick, Canal Winchester, Hilliard. Uh, Gahanna. Um, Gahanna, yeah. Being able to say that you could buy homes in these neighborhoods and, and have your kids in these school districts um, spoke without saying, without saying it, that you had money and that you were comfortable and there was a certain status and stature that you were able to achieve. And because of that, the reward was being able to buy and or rent in these neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I actually, ahead, we, started, we started out in Linden and we probably lived there six years. Um, and then we decided that we wanted to buy a new house. Um, and the, where we were was 
getting really bad. Uh, which is funny to see how it's developed now. It's like the new um, Clintonville, which is so weird to me. Um, so we started out there and we decided that we were going to move. We didn't have really particularly any place that we wanted to go. We were just looking at houses being shown houses and we ended up in Gahanna. I think I was there for like a year. It was the most bizarre thing I had ever experienced. Neighbors never talked to each other. There's not one person that I saw with a garden, maybe a couple. And it was just so strange that there was no sense of community. And I could not wait to get the hell out of there. And so when I came here, I've been in Old Town East for about 10 years, maybe going on 11 now. Um, and, you know, there was still at that time um, people, low income families, um, there were prostitutes and their pimps and drug dealers and, and gang. But, you know, what I'm seeing now is people who are coming into the city and even kids from the suburbs who went away from the suburbs, but they want to be close to home are moving into these kind of neighborhoods and they have this sense of entitlement. And that really bothers me because since I've been here, it's always been a community. Like what Ashley was saying, like these porch be, uh, porches being designed the way they are, it's so that you could sit down with your neighbors and chat. And I'm kind of missing some of that. Like the new build that's beside me is just absolutely awful. And they're going up everywhere. You know, and at first they kind of spin it like, oh, we're putting in a couple restaurants. Oh, this is gonna be nice. We're not moving out poor people. And then they're like, well, we're just gonna fix up a couple houses and sell those. Oh, we're gonna build a couple houses. I'm sorry that some of the poor people can't stay, but other poor people can because they've been here a long time. And it's just like this cycle. It's just, um, then it's going to be people of color. Then where do people go? And that's what you were talking about too, Ashley. You guys know, um, and we'll get to talking about how the West Side has expanded and how uh, the suburbs have changed outside of the city with the city changing on the inside and then the outside of the city changing its demographics kind of at the same time and at the same rate. <laughs> what, what trips me out about the whole situation is if you guys think about like history um, back right when, we were talking about this during the team meet, when slavery was abolished, quote unquote, because I feel like we're still living in modern day slavery, but whatever, that's that's another topic in and of itself. Um, but, and then, and then, you know, there was a working class, there was still, you know, a great deal of segregation, you're dealing with Jim Crow. And the people in the city, it was money. And it was the affluent whites that were living in the city. And um, it's it just, that's what it represented. And People of color were living on the outskirts of any major cities and it was a thing for them to have to gather up the family and go into town to get things that they would need to like run their household for the week. Um, and I just I just see how, you know, that's kind of what we're seeing happening in, in modern day times is a reversal. Now the suburbs and any suburb that we're living in or that we see across the, the country, but specifically here where we're at in Ohio, um, you go out to any suburb right now and you can see what's been pushed out because of 
properties and value property values and um and the the development deals that are going on and the tax abatements and all this incentives for people to come and develop in these in these inner inner city neighborhoods they're pushing people out reynoldsburg is like a perfect example it is horrible out there and you can find a three-bedroom four-bedroom house for rent for a thousand dollars a month and those folks are like lucky to be able to get that off but what are you living next to I mean, you can see trash in these neighborhoods where there used to be manicured lawns. It's just crazy to me, the flip that's going on. So, mm-hmm. um, but we were talking about, you know, some of the neighborhoods in our, in our city. And I was just, you know, we can go around the horn and, and talk about some of the most obvious changes that we see going on. Um, anywhere there's a Starbucks that's going up, you know what's happening in that neighborhood. Not too long after that. Anywhere where you see infrastructure that's being put into uh put into motion, you know, money being spent on the roads and the sidewalks and, you know, cleaning up, you know, the area and whatnot, it, you know, what's coming next. Um, we were talking about earlier, Old Town East, another neighborhood in our town is the King Lincoln District. Uh, Mount Vernon Avenue is about to get tapped if it hasn't already. That's the hottest spot right now. If people can find something over in that 205 zip code, that's what they're doing. Developers are going in, uh, investors are going in because they know the flip. If you can get something for under $100,000, you don't have to put a lot of money into it. You know you're selling that property for three or four or five times that and within a year or two. Um, so it's it's lucrative to get into it right now. Uh, but Ashley and Chris, you guys live over in Old Town East. What are some of the most obvious changes that you've seen over the past like 10 to 15 years? Uh, you see on my street, those, those all the new houses on Ohio, and all the new houses on Bryden. I live directly across the street from those big ass new um, townhomes that are like oh, towering wow. over the street. They're like the biggest thing on the street here. Yeah. And I mean, do, I, do you guys all know what the gentrification uh, font is when you look on the front doors and they have like that real slick gentrification font? Yes, I sure do. I know you know what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. There's a gentrification font? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, me. The next time I see you, I'm gonna point it out to you. You'll know. Exactly You'll notice what it, it is. when you see all the new builds, especially right across the street from me. Mm-hmm. Like, like so. This neighborhood, I was really attracted to it just because I like the way that it looks, and I think that goes for a lot of people that are from, I mean, that live in these neighborhoods or that are moving into these neighborhoods that live in the suburbs because the suburbs really is a wasteland. Like, there's nothing to look at. There's no height. There's no. You know, it's not walkable. You have to drive everywhere. Everything is off road. So like once you get somewhere, you know, you see a parking lot, you might see a little green patch. It's usually a ditch and like, you know, the sign to the Cracker Barrel or whatever. And that's it. <laughs> you know, it doesn't feel good. It feels very desolate. Oh, it does. Oh, it does. It feels... <laughs> that's what it is. Y'all know it's Ohio, okay? You're gonna see the sign for the Cracker Barrel. Yes. <laughs> God. <laughs> You know, another area of town too. We were we were, we were touching on this. Ashley, me, Ashley, and Rod are all uh, from the West Side. We all grew up out there. And I, I want to ask you this, Rod: If outside of the casino being built, because that's really when you saw money being poured into the West Side, was when the casino was built some years back. What other changes have you seen um, going on out there? that indicate gentrification? And do you think it's happening at the same rate as other areas in the city? It is not happening at the same rate on the west side. 
but there are little areas on, on the west like Franklinton is going through it right now mm-hmm. I, I was going to live like 10 15 years that's going to be that's going to be a, it's going to be another little gym which right now and 10 years prior 20 it wasn't it wasn't a gym so that was another neighborhood that you did not get caught walking through. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, but remember when it was or, called the Bottoms? Yes. Oh, yeah. Remember when it was yeah. the Bottoms? Like, what happened yeah, to the Bottoms? Right, right, right. Right. So, uh, but it, it, it's not happening at the same rate. And I don't I don't know if I'm anti-gentrification. I don't know if I'm pro-gentrification. Because I hate seeing the miserability in the streets when I drive by it. I, I I don't want to see it. I, I, it, it. It saddens me. I mean, and I'm and, I, and I'm from there. And now when I go to the short north and I see all this all this new, when I go downtown, we've got the billboards and everything now. I mean, there's, I mean, I, it, it, it all it all looks good, but again, it's just it's a mask because I mean, as soon as you peel that layer off, it's still Columbus. It's mm-hmm. still it's still Columbus. Well, we've mentioned that a couple of times. Yes. The that that picturesque postcard uh, image when you're looking at downtown, any anywhere you come in from any side of town that you drive into downtown, that skyline is beautiful. You catch yeah. that water. You come in from the west side, from the bottoms, from Franklinton, coming over that bridge, it's beautiful. We've talked yeah. a million times, Ashley and, and Chris and I, about the underbelly of the city. And what is really going on in Columbus, you just hit the nail on the head with that statement. It's still Columbus. It's still Columbus, no matter what. You you can put up a coffee shop every six blocks if you want to. Mm -hmm. It can be a Starbucks or an independently owned. I do not care. It's not going to take away from the the amount of people that are dying in these streets at the hand of the police. How crooked the system is in this town. Like It's just not going to take away from any of that. Our homeless situation... That's a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, it, and, and what are you worse. doing about it? It's worse with gentrification because those poor people now are forced to go where other poor people are already scratching and, and, and trying to hold on to what they have. So right. I mean, it, it makes those areas worse. And I mean, it's it's a battle that I don't know if it can be won. I don't know if it can be won. Of course, we want it to be good. But we don't want to. We don't want to be forced out to make it. Why can't you make it beautiful with us there? Exactly. Why can't you? That's the question. That's the question. Around here, that pays enough money to. I mean, I mean, I mean, I know people out here making ten dollars an hour. You can't live on that. You can't live on. You're making twelve dollars an hour. You cannot live on that. And well, they should have made better, you know, better choices in school. They should have made better. Could have, could have, still would have. They're still a citizen, and they still chase the American dream. So it's 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 hard to tell somebody. It's hard to tell somebody that. But that's what's happening. That's what's happening. That's a good segue. That's a good segue. We're gonna go to break, and when we come back, though, we want to talk about is this you know intentional, and what are our thoughts on that, and um, you know why is it this way, and then and then two. I mean, we could really spin off the chasing of the American dream. So. The American dream is is fraudulent, and and you you want every city across the country to look like the American dream, which is, you know, fraudulent. Leads back to what we were just saying. It's really just a mask because what's what's going on on the underbelly. Go ahead and um take a deep breath, 
although we're we're laughing you know it's it's for real what's going on out here so we'll be back folks thank you for tuning in so we're back and we're talking about gentrification i found an article uh when getting ready for the show on a website uh, nextcity.org it's a gentrification timeline and uh this little piece of information um goes back to 2002 there's an author by the name of richard florida publishes the rise of the creative class selling governments across the world on the notion that distressed inner cities can be revived by an influx of cafe going creative professionals in 2017, Florida publishes The New Urban Crisis. He details how cities are facing increased inequality and deeper segregation and recognizes some of the challenges over overlooked in his earlier book. That um that's a good segue. Because I, I wanna I wanna like touch on is this intentional? Is this is this, is this intentionally uh, happening across the country and impoverished cities? Uh, inner city neighborhoods to further deepen the divide. Not not even a racial divide. Um, it seems this this is geared towards those that have and those that have not. Whether you have the money, the financial stature, the good credit, um, the resources at your hand to be able to um, either maintain your your home in these neighborhoods or to get into um, real estate in some kind of way as an investor or just being able to buy a single family residence even if it's your first one in some of these neighborhoods uh customarily customarily and historically uh certain people of color um or people of a certain economic uh stature have not been able to purchase a home that's going for four or five six hundred thousand dollars so I just wonder, let's go around the horn. Ash, what do you think? Um, is this intentional? Yeah, yeah period. <laughs> yes, it's absolutely yeah. intentional. If you go back to the first wave of white flight after um, after World War II, when people started moving out to the suburbs and um, the GI Bill was in effect and white people could get loans for homes and they were going for a lot cheaper and they could afford cars and all the black working class people that came back from the war and all the black working class people that had, you know, migrated from the country, from the South to be in the cities to work. When those white people left, when the money left, the city was left to basically collapse upon itself. You know, there was no coming to save. There was no, oh, you know, but the, the structure is so beautiful. There was none of that. It was, you know, we got to leave the blacks. So the suburbs keep expanding. And now, you know, when they decided, you know, after all, all these neighborhoods, once they get a little culture, like, oh, well, you know, I, I want that too. You know, after they've been, they've been in the suburbs, the wasteland, looking at nothing, being around nothing, having no culture, you know, decide they want to come have a little bite of some culture or, you know, just build their own. And, you know, instead of moving all the way out to the big city, just what they call revitalization of, you know, these inner cities of, smaller states, smaller towns, it's, it's gentrification. It's not beautification. Gentrification is the, the direct displacement of the people that already live here. When the rents go up, when the property values go up, you can't afford the, you can't afford the property tax. You can't afford the rents anymore. What do you do? You have to, you are forced out. 
you know, and the people that have been historically kept down and away from jobs, away from opportunities and left in these dying neighborhoods are black people. So when, you know, the gentrifiers come to take what they want back so they can look at something, so they can be around something or, you know, part of something, it's absolutely exclusionary because I mean, you you got to look at it the way that they develop me, these places. First, the artists come in, you know. Remember back in the day when the Short North was just like broken windows and art galleries? Like, and Gallery yeah. Hop was like Gallery Hop, remember? Mm-hmm. Yes, I miss right. those days. Right, like you didn't park your car down there. <laughs> you do. I do. You, don't, you didn't park your car down there. I remember when it was like all art galleries and now it's, you know, all these beautiful Russian. I'm not saying that it's bad to have any of those things, but there's no mixy neighborhood anymore. And now where we are, like we were just saying, the neighborhood that we're in, we are seeing, you know, these little, these trendy little changes pop up first. And usually it's the first wave of, it's like the artists that come in first. And then, you know, the neighborhood is a little bit more, a little more community-like. And then the next wave is like the first round of like the hipstery places that come in that can afford it. And I'm like, oh, you know, we're going to put something cool up. And then the next round are the people that come in and buy that shit from the people that can't afford it anymore. Right. And that's when it really becomes that like deep gentrification. And then past that, that's when people want to come and live live in the city. And the last thing that they build are schools. You notice here all the shit that they have. We've lost two schools over here. There's not going to be a new school over here until this neighborhood is completely gentrified. And that's why I say that shit is on purpose. Because at this moment in the United States, we have the schools are the are more segregated than they have been since the 1970s. Mm-hmm. More segregated. That shit is on purpose very intentional very much so chris what's your thoughts well it is modern day segregation absolutely um one of the things that attracted me to this neighborhood was i mean beyond the beautiful buildings and how old it was it was really the community of neighbors i remember coming to look at this place and there was just neighbors hanging out on the porch and i was like i want that and since these developers have come in and these uh, like that place you're talking about across from where you are, Ashley, um, it brings in a different kind of vibe into the neighborhood and it doesn't quite mix. So even on our street, it used to be that we'd shout at each other, talk to each other, you know, visit each other, talk about whatever. Um, and then you see everyone else kind of keeping to themselves. And this just happened the other night, and this kind of uh, reminds me of, of this. There is a woman, I hear two women shouting, this woman is losing her grip on reality. And she, I finally heard her and she said, I have lived here 10 years and you do not park in front of my house. All of us are kind enough as neighbors to have one car in front of our house. And I looked over and I was like, that's somebody new to the neighborhood that doesn't know the, the neighborhood. And she was right. Everyone's kind and everyone kind of talks to each other when they move in. This person never took it upon themselves when they moved in to get to know their neighbors or even say hello. Or they would have they would have known because everybody kind of says, welcome to the neighborhood. Everybody gets a spot. And I was like, that has really changed. It's just something that I really miss about our old neighborhood. And even the new build that's beside me, um, is now an Airbnb. And so I'm forced to be around 10 strangers every weekend. And it's awkward. It doesn't have that same neighborhood feel. And to be honest, I'm almost to the point where I want a tiny house out in the country so I can run around naked and garden all day, have chickens. That's what I want. At this point, that's what I need. 
Because I don't know if I can take it like 10 years down the road. Because it's not going to do anything but continue. Right. And, 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 and every neighborhood that we all have grown up knowing and being in Columbus all of our lives uh, will have changed to the point where it will be unrecognizable even to us. Yes. Having been here as long as we have been. Perfect example. There's development going on on Long Street right now that is blowing my mind. Blowing my mind. And those apartments are going for something like $1,200, $1,500, $1,800 a month. Wow. There's a cafe on Long Street. And everybody that knows me knows it's my favorite spot. Has always been Mr. Leon Lewis. Shout out Lincoln Cafe. I will always support that man for as long as I live. And as long as he is in that cafe, I will be there at least three to four times out the week. I am sincerely concerned about whether or not he will be able to survive once the retail goes into that new build that is happening on Long Street. Mm -hmm. It is crazy how uh, there is no inclusion for small business owners or already existing businesses in a neighborhood that have that they've been for 30 plus years as you come in developers and build in these neighborhoods with with an air of that you belong here right exactly and that you are entitled to be here right to build like this <laughs> that's just the energy that comes across you know what i mean when you see these people coming i remember when they broke ground on long street for that building they're putting up and these these non-people of color that don't know the history or how much art or music has wafted through those streets over the years have no clue as to what that neighborhood is about were in their suits and their heels in the sinking grass when they cut the ribbon and broke ground on that project. I'm like, you don't even know these people that live here. You have no idea about these folks or this history. If you can't go over the Long Street Bridge on that uh, mural of all the artists, all the black artists that have been in Columbus and have come from Columbus over the past 25 years and name at least 10 of them, I don't think you have no business developing in this neighborhood. That's just my personal opinion. Agreed. That is, and that's the test, I feel like. It's as simple as that. Let's take a walk. Can you name any of these people here? Some of these people are worldly famous. Do you know any of them? No? What in the hell are you doing in this neighborhood? Eating off the folks that have been in this neighborhood, pouring into this neighborhood for 30 plus years. At any rate, Rob, what do you think? Is the shit intentional? <laughs> it's all intentional, man. It's all intentional. I mean, especially this. I mean, I don't necessarily say that. I mean, it, you, all you're doing is making some areas pretty and making other areas poor. And it's not supposed to be a goal. It's supposed to be helping. Especially people who don't have much to take take away their not much is it's crazy it's gonna make them have not much somewhere else I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy but it is what's happening and that's the reality of the world we're in the society we're in it is uh, the young lady Ashley spoke on it earlier it's the haves and the have nots the haves and the have nots so the haves are always gonna win they're always gonna win as long as those in power keep us arguing about black and white this and that this and that we're never gonna address them and when we address those in power and can really get to them, that's the change coming. But we'll we'll always have something silly to argue about, keep and, and keep our eye off the prize. Things can things can be fixed, but we all got to want it. We all got to want it. I don't want people to be silly. I don't want people to be silly. 
that have to be poor, that have to just keep generationally being poor and stuck in the same areas. And the cities don't want to see areas just continue to be poor. 20, 30, 40 years, I think, let's fix it up. So I mean, I hear what you're saying, but again, fix it up with the people there. Absolutely. Again, like Mika said, come in. Can you name anybody here? No? Okay. Find somebody that can and work with them. Let them work with the people. Let them fix it. Let them fix and help the community. Let them gentrify. Let them benefit from it. Yeah. Yeah, let them benefit from it. Like, if you're going to come in to create... You're erasing the culture that's there. Mm-hmm. Every time, every time we gentrify these areas, we're erasing the culture that's there, enforcing that culture in the other areas. Stack them up in these apartment complexes, all, all. I mean, it's these nasty, grimy areas, and then wonder why it's crime in those areas. Everybody over there, they're scratching, they're scratching, they're they're they're, they're fighting hard to try to maintain. Man, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, every apartment complex out west. I mean, it's like thousand dollars for one bedroom maybe a bad i mean i don't know it's just it's 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 ridiculous man i mean nobody can live on that again and you're paying them ten dollars an hour how how are they supposed to live that's the thing they're not supposed to give us all the money back and pay these bills and be broke pay these bills and be broke or do better in school do better in school that's that's the solution huh Right, like go to college. Right, I mean, it's it's just there's ways we gotta work together. We all gotta, we all gotta want, we all gotta want to work together. We gotta stop erasing, erasing cultures, erasing, erasing districts, erasing neighborhoods. I mean, it's sad, it's sad, but it's happening. We need help. So who do we call? This this, enti- this entire society is structured on. Uh, a rich and a poor this this our our society would not work if there was not two classes of people people that have and people that have not and and those those that be that are in power and, and are running things uh are desperately trying to hold on to that societal structure because if the people were to come together, and we've talked about this too, if the people were to come together and put aside petty differences and dissolve divide, we would be powerful as a people, as a human race, and wouldn't need the societal structure. And then it would create an even playing field, and all of a sudden we'd all have the same resources, and uh, the have and the have not would it dissolve, and that does not benefit those that are running shit right now, no. flat out. And you can't blame them for wanting to hold on. You can't blame them. <laughs> you, you really can't. <laughs> <did. laughs> no, you can't blame. I do them. shit. I, I, how I told I was gonna say. Talking about this, I do. <laughs> I think it's. I mean, we can say, oh well, you know, we got to put aside our petty differences. I don't think that any of our differences are petty. I think that you know most fights that we are taking off fucking means something but I think the bigger yeah. picture is is access to information and access to resources period that's all it is it's not about yeah. an even playing field it's about an equitable playing field you know you can give out the same kind of everybody can have the same tools but if I don't know how to build a house I'm not gonna have a fucking house at the end of the day you know like true. it's not about that's true. You know, I think 
petty differences, I don't feel like we should be like minimizing things that are truly important. Racial division is important. You know, financial division is important. It's not petty. You're right. I think to, I, I, I think to minimize that is doing a disservice to, you know, people that are fighting all of these things all at one time. And is it hard to fight all of these things at once? Hell yeah. But that's the only way it's going to happen because it's all about access to resources and access to information. So if there isn't somebody who knows all this shit and isn't pet and isn't and is pet isn't passing it down, then we gain nothing. Because those that are in power have had a huge advantage, a huge, you know, head start. And that's going to be hard as fuck to get to if we don't address every problem. I mean, I think I mean, there's there's so many different like I mean, avenues to address when it comes to what we're consuming as a people on a day-to-day. The message everywhere is we're distracted by bullshit. We're distracted by uh, the Housewives of Atlanta or whatever reality show folks are stuck on. We're distracted by the music and uh, the stereotypical uh, idea that we're supposed to only be chasing um the latest tennis shoe or the latest gucci bag or um all these materialistic things and and i mean that that's intentional there's just so much there's so much behind uh making sure people have the resources and 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 the tools but then even thinking that way even thinking outside the box that way like a lot of our people are stuck in the idea that they're only supposed to be working a job to pay bills and exist and 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 maintain and if they can do that then they're happy with that they don't even think outside the box much more than that let me learn about how this all works let me learn about these resources that are out here let me go and network and they're not even thinking that way so it's just like i mean where where do we even start to enlighten the folks to say hey this is not what's important you should be asking questions about what you see happening in the neighborhoods around you. Mm-hmm. You should be asking questions about why it is that you are only exposed to this particular message that doesn't have shit to do with learning about what's going around on in the neighborhoods around you. You know what I mean? Like it's just where I mean, where as a people do we take our hold ourselves accountable for even wanting to learn a little bit more? I mean, everybody on this panel is 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 excluded from that statement, but how many folks do we know that are just content with what, what's being handed to them? With the information that's being handed to them, they're just not thinking outside the box, man. So when are we gonna do that? I mean, it's hard to think out of the box when you come up on survival, when all you know is survival, you know? And even getting the chance to think outside of that box, those, those distractions are come out of, come out of a culture of exhaustion. You know, people that make $10 an hour are the hardest fucking working people you know. People that work, you know, fast food, low, you know, quote unquote, low skilled jobs are fucking exhausted. Those are the hardest working people. So when you come home from work, I ain't cracking open no fucking book. I want to sit down, I'm going to smoke a blunt and I'm going to watch The Real Housewives and fucking escape from the bullshit because I know I got to go to work tomorrow so I can get the goddamn rent paid and get, put, get some shoes on these kids' feet. That's a good point. Absolutely truth. You know, sometimes you have to have somebody, you know, you you have to, you have to really, it has to be until it hurts. You know, like I was, I had a, I had a long time in my life where 
I mean, I still don't feel necessarily like I know, oh, you know, Ashley, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm fucking old and I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> but I know what I don't want. You know, I I have felt, I've had enough life to feel like I know I, that there's something else for me to do. And I'm making those kind of moves. But if you haven't even gotten to take a fucking vacation, how you know what the sun looks like on the other side of the world? How you know to work towards that if you ain't never fucking seen that shit? If when you come home from work, if you come home from work in your second job, the kids run around acting fucking crazy, the neighborhood is wild. I wanna sit down and watch, I wanna sit down and watch fucking The Real Housewives. I want WAP to come on so I can just be out of my fucking mind for a couple minutes. You know, it's not necessarily about blaming the people for being distracted, because goddamn, when I come home, I wanna play WAP, I wanna listen to Meg The Stallion, I wanna fucking like do all that shit, you know, but I just get to come in with a different mindset because I got a chance to think about it. Very true, Ryan. What was you? What was you gonna say? I'm, I'm not gonna say. I, I, you know, I got. Hey, I can show you what I got over here. But I mean, I, I understand the escape. I understand the getaway. I fall off into hip hop. I fall off into the DC and Marvel movies and all that. But at the end of the day, that doesn't. That doesn't. That doesn't. It doesn't help the big picture. And the big picture is things like. You know, people in Congress in there for 20, 30 years. No, we got to address that. We got to get people in and out. We got to get different views yep. on things. Because of course, but you can't see the big picture when your world is this When your world is this big, it's this small. You can't see the bigger picture. When you're 18 to 20, you know, 17 to 25, yeah. But by, by the time you're 25, 30 years old, we got to be seeing the big picture. And that's and, and that's what and that's what we're missing. Black, white, blah, 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 blah. Poor people. That's what we're missing is the ability to set it aside at some point and start fighting together to get this stuff changed. Because the only way we'll get changed is when we start changing the people at the top, changing the people in power, changing the people with the money. When we start getting, we gotta get to the money. And again, we can't do that on the, we can't do it on the, I mean, again, I can't do it at home watching four hour Justice League movies. I can't do it. I can't do it. I mean, I can't. I can't do it at home in the studio, you know, bumping my, you know, trying to get my, trying to get my little music off. I can't, I mean, I, but if we, again, if we come together, poor people, poor people, people that, people that don't have, the have nots, if we do come together, man, and, and, and focus, and, and that's, and that's on us, the adults, and that's why we're addressing it, because we're in our 40s. So we see now, but I can't, I can't expect the 18 year older to, want to see it the way I do right now. Because when I was 18, I didn't want to hear what they talked When I was 22, I didn't want to hear what they were talking. I was living my life to the fullest. Get, I wanted my J's. I wanted my... And, and that's what that's what life, like like, like Mika said, that's what, I, that's what I was trained to believe. That's what it was about. Now I got kids and bills and... Oh man, nah, I don't have time to turn around and think like that. I gotta, I gotta, work, man. I gotta get out of here. I'm on the website still. Oh no, I gotta get out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I gotta locate bitch. I'm on the website. I gotta locate bitch. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I agree. Yep. I, agree. I do too. I do too. So we're gonna go. We're gonna go to our last break of the show. We're gonna come back. We're gonna wrap up with a final thought. Uh, go ahead and listen to a little bit of music. I knew this conversation was going to be dope. Thanks for tuning in, folks. We'll be right, right back.
right, folks, we're back. So uh, to wrap us up, I just want to kind of like have a final thought, go around the horn and just share um, perspective on the following question. How do we create balance in the neighborhoods that are being affected by gentrification? Um, let's start with Rodriguez. What do you think? Um, a dollar is green, whether it comes from a, a black person, a white person, a Latino, or Asian, whatever. A dollar, is, a dollar is green, and a dollar is what pushes people. Is, is money. So when you're coming into these areas, I think it's I think it's almost imperative that you speak with those people and ask those people what would do well in that neighborhood. What what you know as far as as far as businesses go with things. Let's not do a Starbucks. What what's good in this community, Joe Smoke? Well, we like we like this. work on that and then you know give that community what it needs to keep going and, and as far as gentrification goes but kicking people out and everything i mean it's it's uh i don't know i don't know how you balance that i don't know how you balance that i mean obviously first you got to start with the first you got to start with the wages you pay people for the job <laughs> because wages you pay people have a big impact on where they live and uh, everybody's not act everybody can't be a lawyer everybody can't be a doctor everybody can't be a hygienist I mean everybody can't do that and those poor people been in the areas for a long time their kids are there their, their nieces and nephews are there their grandkids are there it's 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 it's, it's, it's it's insulting the wages they pay them. That way they can't stay there when you come in and make nice and you make it expensive. Then they can't stay there and you gotta kick them out. And it's sad. I mean it's sad. We gotta we gotta up the minimum wage. I think that helps balance. I think that helps balance. Speak to the community, find out what it needs, what it wants, what it desires, what it would pay for. And I think that helps out. I think that helps the balance. I appreciate your input, sir. Chris, what are your thoughts, sis? Um, this one's kind of tough because I wish I had a solution. I do believe that we all need to unite. Everyone needs to in order to make some changes. Um, I have to say one thing I'm very thankful for is that I still have a really good com uh, community with some of my neighbors. But seeing other neighbors moving out and um, poor families who have been here longer than me, or even uh, one of the couples who, who's been here 30 years have just recently moved uh, because things are changing. And that makes me sad because I really think that all people have the right to a quality way of life. Everyone deserves to have a home to live in, to raise their kids. And actually, Rod is very right too. We do need to change the minimum wage. It needs to be equal and fair across the board. I mean, honestly, even in a perfect world, I say blow the shit up and let's start all over. Everyone starts from the very beginning. Everyone has the same opportunities, but you know, that's blowing shit up and that's probably not a good thing to do either. So 
I just think there's something to be said about. I'm down with it, but yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say there's something to be said about tearing all this shit down so you can rebuild it. Really, there's something Seriously. to be said. But Ashley, what are your thoughts? Um, Chris, I absolutely agree. Blow the shit up. Yep. Um, but if, if we if we can't blow the shit up then the only really the only thing that we can do is arm ourselves with information and try to participate as much as we can and bust down those doors this entire i think i I told you guys this entire like last summer i spent my time fighting in the revolution and learning about where all the black people went and the property values and you know why these houses look like this and the new development chrissy and i we took a walk and we just you know we took that's I I you know how I feel about the parks in the city. Yes, <laughs> I have yes. such a strong opinion about the about public parks and city property and all that shit. You know, really, it's about arming ourselves with as much information as we as as we can possibly have. Busting out, busting down the doors of these you know quiet meetings that happen. Like when all those all the real estate signs started popping up, and it was like the same three spaces that we saw. We're like, well, they don't fucking live here, you know, um, and. So the last thing that it's about is, you know, knowing the value of what you have and deciding that that's what's worth fighting for. You know, if you like having the neighborhood that you're in, if you, you know, if you like the way that your house is built with the beautiful porch and the old brick from back in the day, then understand what that property value is looking like. Understand, you know, when they start putting those historical, like, laws in the book, like, oh, well, you know, you got to keep keep your brick at this certain cert, this certain color for the historical tax credit for to be in this neighborhood or whatever that bullshit is that they have or you know your windows have to be historic any of that shit you know you just gotta we just have to arm ourselves with the information and decide that it's worth fighting for yeah I wanna I wanna I wanna close out piggybacking on what Ashley's saying information I think I think the solution is being armed with the information that you need, the education that you need. I think there's some key key things that we need to teach people in these neighborhoods, white, black, or otherwise, because what, like Rod was saying, it's about a poor thing. And I've been saying that for a long time now. It's not even about race because there's poor white people, there's poor Latino people, there's poor um, Irish people, Mexican people, Chinese people. There's just poor people. And if you're poor, you're poor flat out because there's a, there's, there's a percentage, a top percentage we all know. They got it all. I think that we need education on the credit system, financial literacy, the mortgage industry and real estate. I think those are key things that people need to understand specifically pertaining to what's happening in their neighborhoods. And I think that if this information was readily available, if this information was readily available to the people free of charge, programs created, what have you, that this would lead to resources and then those resources would open doors of opportunity and from there generational wealth can be created i think that is how that would have to play out because it all boils down to 
what you know versus what you know and who you know. Rodriguez, did you have a good time? Will you come back and see us? I did. I had a fantastic time. I enjoyed it. <clears throat> I enjoyed your queen. You guys were fabulous. I, I, had a, I had a blast. I can't wait to go back and listen to the episodes I missed and keep tuned with the ones that are coming. You guys are doing a great job. Keep up the good work. I would love to come back. Any opportunity I have, I would love to come back and hang out with you ladies. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for the opportunity. We appreciate you coming on. Definitely. Okay, folks, make sure uh, you keep tuning in and always remember to be the light that you seek. We'll see you next week. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Three Queens and a King podcast, where we will continue to bring you candid conversation that matters. During this episode, we mentioned an article called Gentrification Timeline. You can find that at nextcity.org. This episode was brought to you by IamMeek.com. Go ahead and check out the blog, Speaking with Meek. Also brought to you by Perry Logistics, offering freight dispatch services. It's only great if you're moving freight. We surely do appreciate the support, folks. Go ahead and leave a comment. Let us know how you're feeling about our topic choice. And please remember to always be the light that you seek. We'll see you next week. Peace.